Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, an Edmonton-based veterinary consultant believes by improving the design of loadout, pork producers can improve the biosecurity of their farms and reduce the risk of disease transmission. Dr. Julia Keenlisside says the loadout is the area of the barn where finisher pigs or cull sows or iso weans and sometimes dead stock are loaded onto the truck. Sometimes animals will enter the barn through the loadout. She says the project was inspired by a large outbreak of PED in Manitoba in the spring of 2022. Protein Industries Canada released the road to $25 billion, an updated roadmap for Canada's ingredient, manufacturing, food processing and bioproducts sector. It includes a goal of $25 billion in revenue by 2035. Bill Grohl is the CEO of Protein Industries Canada. He says the country's agriculture and food sector has long been undervalued as an economic driver with trading partners importing raw commodities. He says it's time to generate value through ingredient manufacturing, food production and bioproduct development. Grill will discuss the steps required to meet its target, including investing in infrastructure, trade and domestic processing. After the break, Julia Keenly's side. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. Dr. Julia Keenly-Side is an Edmonton-based veterinary consultant, and uh, she has been speaking at the Saskatchewan Pork Symposium, talking about loadout areas and some ways to improve transportation and biosecurity for farms to reduce the risk of disease transmission. So first, Julia, maybe let's talk about loadouts. Explain uh, what they are and why they are so important when we're discussing biosecurity. So the loadout is the place where the pigs leave the barn. So we often put a lot of emphasis on people and objects and things coming into the barn. The loadout is often the back end of the barn where your finisher pigs are loaded onto the truck to go to market. Your call sows go out of the barn. Sometimes it could be isoweens or feeder pigs. So it's where animals come out. It's also where animals sometimes come in as well. Your dead stock may go out here, but you bring your gilts in through here too. So the loadout refers to that place where trucks from the outside world that could potentially be contaminated with disease-causing viruses or bacteria, it's where those things contact the edge of the barn and the animals are loaded up there. So we, we call that the loadout or the line of separation. So what was the driver behind this project that uh, prompted this particular study and, and work? So what prompted the loadout project was a large outbreak of PED in Manitoba in the spring of 2022. Up to that point, we thought that we were getting a handle on the PED virus through lots and lots of biosecurity surrounding trucking and transport. We knew that transport trucks would be contaminated at assembly yards and abattoirs and that these contaminated trucks would then go back to farms to pick up pigs and potentially spread the virus because the trucks would contact the door of the barn. So we learned that if we washed, dried, disinfected and even baked our trucks, we could kill all the virus on those trucks. But what happened in 2022 is in spite of all of this and getting the outbreak under control, we had a huge outbreak in Manitoba again. And so people started asking questions. How could this be where we're doing such a great job on our trucks? Well, it turned out that perhaps 
even though we can eliminate 100% of the virus on a truck, maybe we can't do it 100% of the time. So maybe 99 out of 100 trucks are virus-free, but maybe one in 100 isn't. And what prompted this possibly was the severe weather. There was a lot of very cold temperatures and snowstorms, which made cleaning and drying the trucks difficult. And so the, the theory is, is that perhaps the trucks were still causing a problem. And when transport biosecurity fails, we need to have a second layer of biosecurity to protect us at the farm, and that's the loadout biosecurity. I don't think we can assume that those trucks are 100% clean 100% of the time. Julia, who did you have involved in this project? Okay, well, uh, Suwishin was the, the instigator, Yetta, Yetta Christensen. Um, she, she organized it, but then we contracted the Politicals Research Firm, which is an independent private research company. And so the founder of the research company, um, Doug Monroe, he was the project manager. He hired me as the swine, swine biosecurity and disease expert, and then we hired another veterinarian, Dr. Julian Rays, who's an expert in statistics and literature review. And we divided the work between us to do the searching of everything that has been written about loadout so far. What did the project involve? And can you get into some detail of, of uh, what you looked at? So what we did is we looked at all the peer-reviewed scientific literature out there that could pertain to loadout. Everything on biosecurity, washing, drying, pig movement, anything we could find. And then we looked at what's called the gray literature. So the gray literature is not a scientific peer-reviewed article, but it's still from a valid trusted source, such as a government website, university, uh, pork industry website, uh, news, conferences, also programs such as Farmscape trusted valid information but it's not necessarily a peer-reviewed uh, research trial and so what I did is I, I compiled a list of uh, 35 trusted gray literature sources and then I looked at everything that had been written about loadout in those sources for the last 10 years. So what did you discover in that literature review? Was there a lot of valuable information in it? Well, it was very, very interesting because there's only been one peer-reviewed article that has an actual scientific research trial on loadout design, and that was a staged loadout paper done in 2021 out of the U.S. The rest of the scientific literature doesn't have particular articles on loadout. This is an area that's not been researched very much. But what there is is there's a lot of articles written on biosecurity, and there are references to loadout and practices buried in them. And so that's why we needed Dr. Ray's with his algorithm to be able to mine these articles to get some of the information out. In the gray literature, we found a lot more reference because this is a, um, as you mentioned, this is something that's recently gaining a lot more interest as we see disease still spreading, even though we've got such great truck washing facilities. And so what we're seeing is that the gray literature often precedes the scientific literature and getting the interest out there. And now we'll see more research coming after this, hopefully, that will look at what is the best way to build your loadout. Right now, all we have is ideas from the field that people are coming up with, and some of them are quite good. Who was uh, involved in the survey and how did you make that determination um, who, who to talk to and get information from? So as part of our project, not only we did a literature review, we also did a survey of Western Canadian loadouts. And we used, we used swine veterinarians because they were out there, they visit the most farms of anybody and the most likely to actually see the loadout area. We found this would be easier than actually trying to get farmers to give us feedback. So um, what we did is we, we, ha we contacted veterinarians, had them fill out a survey. 
the survey questions all came from our literature review. We looked at the recommendations made in the literature and then we made them into survey questions and asked these veterinarians, do you see these practices happening on your farms that you visit? How prevalent are we? So we asked them to rate whether they were uncommon or common or prevalent or very prevalent or, or rarely or never seen. And we divided it into two categories. One is procedures, things you do, like change your boots and coveralls, wash your loadout ramp. The second part is we looked at facilities. Do people have uh, a separate loadout area? Do they have dedicated equipment? Do they have a room for loadout? Um, do they have a ramp or do they have a heated loadout area? So those are the questions on facilities. And so we divided them into two categories. What did you find? Well, what we found is that there's a huge diversity in loadout facilities being reported by these veterinarians. The most common facility they saw was simply a door at the end of the barn and that the pigs were loaded up the alley straight out the door, up the ramp, outside onto the truck. And uh, that was the most common, but they did report that there are other ones where they actually had heated and closed ones, um, and some of them were using the stage loadout procedure already. Uh, the other thing we found with the diversity, that there's a wide range of procedures being done, is that some of the basic procedures that were recommended in a lot of the gray literature, as well as in some of the scientific literature, such as changing your boots and coveralls, washing after every loadout, we found that those weren't commonly done on a wide range of operations. So it says to me that producers may be able to improve their loadout biosecurity just by changing a few procedures to start. It may not need rebuilding a whole loadout area, that if we can improve procedures, it might be less costly to start. Through this work, what did you discover would be the key components of a loadout area that uh, should be considered when you're uh, designing a particular area? I think one of the, the biggest components in designing a loadout is it has to be easy to load pigs through. It has to be easy for staff to work in, and pigs have to move through it quite well. So we have lots of research out there to show how to design facilities to move pigs, and I think people should take that into account. So some of the basic things I'm thinking of is lighting. Pigs don't like to move into dark areas. You know, non-slip floors. Um, and um, places where pigs, pigs aren't bottlenecked. It has to be easy to move a pig, ramps not being too steep. It also has to be easy for staff to move. So a lot of places now are having a separate walkway for staff outside of where the pigs go. And the other thing is it has to be easy to clean. Easy to move pigs, easy to clean. Um, it's not easy to clean, then people don't like to clean it, and that's fair enough. And uh, the other thing I would go to is um, line of separation. I would definitely like to see two lines of separation and a staged procedure where there's some kind of barrier between the loadout and the rest of the barn, because mistakes happen. And if a pig turns back or kicks a piece of muck off the trailer, um, that that doesn't then get tracked into the barn because there's a barrier and a door that's closed. And I guess the last piece of information that came up was the ventilation. Is that having a ventilation system that was positive pressure so that things weren't sucked back into the main barn from that truck? Because potentially we're suspecting, and we haven't proven it in the scientific literature, but there seems to be some advice out there and some experience saying that maybe that's what's happening. So we have to think about even ventilation, separate ventilation for the loadout area. So what do we know about a well-designed loadout, reducing or eliminating the transmission of disease? Well, we only have one scientific article on that, and it showed quite clearly using glow germ, which is a powder that, that 
you, people track back and forth is that having a stage loadout where you've got the separate loadout and two lines of separation really reduced the amount of contamination that was brought back in the barn. But interestingly enough, it didn't completely eliminate it. It just reduced it. And so I think the take-home message is that we have to have layers of biosecurity, is that we're not perfect as people, and so our systems, we can't expect them to be perfect either. And I think we have to set ourselves up for success by having several layers of biosecurity. So if somebody makes a mistake, a pig turns around on the ramp, well, there's still another door to prevent him from going back in the barn. And I think that's what we have to continually think about, what layers of biosecurity work best in your barn. Thank you very much, Julia. Thank you. Dr. Julia Kinglisside is an Edmonton-based veterinary consultant. After the break, Bill Gruel, the CEO of Protein Industries Canada, will talk about the road to $25 billion. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. The road to $25 billion, a new report released by Protein Industries Canada, updating a roadmap for Canada's ingredient manufacturing, food processing and bioproducts sector. Bill Gruel is the CEO of Protein Industries Canada. So Bill, walk us through what this roadmap looks like. It's a plan, an economic plan, to grow the sector to $25 billion. We just see almost unlimited potential in value-added agriculture in in Western Canada. And we thought we'd put together a bit of a document to foster a conversation about what it is we need to do as a country to drive at this economic opportunity. So what needs to be done in order to follow this roadmap and reach that target? just to set the expectation. We think there's a $25 billion economic opportunity for value-added processing. You know, that could be about two to two and a half million metric tons of additional processing capacity built out in the next decade in Canada. And um, we think there's really five things that need to get done. And that's a focus on, on innovation and how we support the commercialization of intellectual property in Canada. We need to create uh, the right regulatory environment to foster innovation. We need to ensure that we're building out and supporting the right type of uh, transportation and research infrastructure. We think we need to work on a global basis to establish new markets for our plant-based food and ingredients. And, And finally, we need to find ways to incentivize more private capital into the sector. When we're discussing this overall goal, and expanding value-added opportunities. Ultimately, will this be putting more money in farmers' pockets? Yeah, that, that's um, that's something we want to understand even, even better on a go-forward basis. But we know that um, farmers want options to sell their commodities. And, um, you know, there's lots of great options today, but more processing facility means more options for producers and options means competition for for commodities. We also know that the cost of transporting grain from you know the prairie region of Canada to the tidewaters in Vancouver ranges from $45 to $75 a ton. So just the cost savings of having processing in our own backyards uh, is a great economic opportunity for farmers. When we talk about a project like this, uh, obviously there's a certain element is uh, what's happening in Ottawa as far as policies. So how is that process going and what uh, are you going to be doing to move this whole concept forward? 
we're meeting with a number of elected and senior officials in, in the nation's capital. You know, our primary goal is to just educate them about the economic opportunity that agriculture and value-added processing offers this country. And, um, you know, the, the elected officials in Ottawa, they're, they're often focused on uh, other industries outside of agriculture. We've all seen the investments into the electric vehicle battery sector being made. You know, that that's great. That's a great investment for Canada. We're not questioning that. But, you know, we don't want them to forget about what uh, what the economic drivers are in the prairies. Bill, if someone is interested in reading the roadmap document, uh, where do they go to find that? Yeah, there's a there's be a link on our website, which is proteinindustrycanada.ca, and there's also um, a specific website called the Road to Twenty Five Billion.ca, and that's twenty five the numbers. Yeah. Any final thoughts that you'd like to uh, leave with us today? Yeah, we're, we're just really excited about the uh, opportunity that this represents for for not only Canada, but uh, farmers in Western Canada. The more that we can uh, have Ottawa focusing on this as a growth sector for the Canadian economy, the better we'll all be, not, not just as people who work in agriculture in the prairies, but as Canadians. Bill Gruel is the CEO of Protein Industries Canada. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of November 13th, 2023. Premier Scott Moe asked Canadian senators to pass legislative amendments that exempt some agriculture costs from the carbon tax. The House of Commons recently passed amendments that would exempt grain drying costs from the carbon tax. The amendments are now before the Senate. Moe said that he believes the Senate is blocking those amendments and has asked them to follow the will of MPs. Canola research funding has been announced for the next five years, but the government's share is declining by about 25% when compared to the last agreement. Federal Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley announced $9 million under the Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership, known less formally as the Federal Provincial Agriculture Policy Framework. Government money for canola research under the last five-year framework was $12.1 million. The $9 million over the next five years will also be matched by industry and various canola producer organizations for a total of $17 million. The industry producer contribution is similar to the previous funding agreement. 17 projects will receive funding and the research cluster will continue to be administered by the Canola Council of Canada. Canadian wheat exports to China and the United States during the first two months of the crop year were nearly identical at roughly 400,000 tonnes apiece. China is slightly ahead of the Americans by about 15,000 tonnes. Wheat exports to Mexico are also 130% larger than last year at 218,000 tonnes. Exports to countries outside of the top 10 customers are also running well ahead of last year. Much of this has been to various African nations. The U.S. Department of Agriculture surprised the market by boosting the average corn yield 1.9 bushels per acre to a total of 174.9 bushels an acre. The new corn estimate is 15.14 billion bushels, breaking the all-time U.S. corn production mark set in 2016. The soybean yield estimate moved up slightly to 49.9 bushels an acre, up 0.3 bushels an acre from last month. 
The USDA left wheat production unchanged from last month's estimate. CodeX Technologies, an agricultural technology startup, and Nutrien have announced they have entered into a memorandum of understanding. It's to explore the joint commercialization of a coding technology to produce environmentally friendly nitrogen fertilizer solution for large acre crops in North America. Codex Technologies has developed a low-cost, customizable, control-released fertilizer coating that minimizes environmental impact. Their biodegradable coating allows fertilizer to be slowly released into the soil over time, reducing greenhouse gas emissions and eliminating potential residual material. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, tell your friends, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.